Good morning, and welcome to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm glad you've made the connection and are with us today. I'm Laurie Fitz, your host, and the goal of our show is to explore a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves, our world, our community in ways that get us thinking, get us talking, get us going out and doing something because we made the connection. So our topic today is about Prime Productions. Um, Prime Productions is very near and dear to my heart. It's a wonderful, uh, a wonderful group of strong and dedicated women who also bring in good men to support them as well. And it, uh, it's geared for women in their prime. And it's Prime Productions. And my dear friend, Shelley Place, is here today to talk about Prime. Uh, it's come back after COVID and the play that they'll be producing, which is The Revolutionist by Lauren Gunderson. Welcome, Shelley. Welcome. Thank you. Um, it's so good to see you. We have a history. <laughs> I know. We have a history. We were just talking. We've known each other for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. We were in a master class at the Guthrie um, doing scene studies and, and whatnot. And, and I just adored you from the beginning. When you walked into that class and you'd come, I think you'd moved from California. I had. And uh, and you had done these great shows. Like you were uh, all these, you're a great comedian to begin with. And you were on like these sitcoms from all, you know, The Love Boat and all these <laughs> Okay, let's not date me too much, shall we? But but it was good fun. And you brought your natural charm and your your natural brilliance. You've done so many other good programs and projects in your life as well, dedicated to being a leader. And, And you took your leadership skills and brought them to the theater, which I appreciate. Well, you're very, very kind. Oh, absolutely. For our audience, share with us the inspiration for Prime Production, uh, you and Allison, uh, who will Allison Edwards, who will be joining us in the next segment, uh, believed in this concept. Tell us about the concept and some of your early work and what you're doing now. Sure, as you mentioned, we were all in the master class uh, with Ray Burke at at the Guthrie, and um, it was about this time of year when um, all of the uh, theaters in town were announcing their seasons. So everybody, of course, was looking to see if there was a role that they could audition for. And as we looked through, at that time, there was about 45 theaters in town that uh, had equity contracts, which is the professional union for actors and stage managers. And um, we looked, and out of all of those theaters and all of those contracts— there were five roles mm. for mature women. I would say women over 50. And we could probably tell you who was going to get those roles. So we kind of looked at each other, and there had been some conversation about, oh, God, wouldn't it be great to start your own company? And Allison, who was new to the class from New York, came by, and I was talking to our then uh, to our future partner, Elena Gianetti, and um, she said, have you guys ever thought about starting a theater? And Elena had just said something about that. Mm-hmm. So I looked at him and I said, well, that can't be a coincidence. And we went out for cocktails and Prime Productions was born. And I have to say that a lot of people came on board for at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michelle Hensley helped mm-hmm. us. Jack Ruler gave us a place before to, to perform before we even had a name for the company. So we actually uh, 
did all the paperwork. Springboard for the Arts helped us. Uh, people, we found a play. Allison found a play. And uh, we decided to do it. Jack, as I said, Jack gave us the space, Mixed Blood at the time. And we did a production called Little Wars with seven women, four of them equity. I don't know how naive I was <laughs> to think that we were going to be able to have contracts for four people. But we did out of the seven. And um, it was a success. We actually not only got a grant for it, which people said, oh, no, you won't get your, your first grant. But we also, um, God, we made money on it. I mean, mm -hmm. I was just like, you know. <laughs> there, There's a business case for this. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, yes, and I think naivete is the way to go because uh, if, if we thought about it too much, it wouldn't have happened. But we are uh, dedicated to find meaningful and substantial roles for women over 50 and designers as well, and our crew people. And I'm very happy to say that uh, we have kept that. We have also become very inclusive with diversity. Mm -hmm. And now we are going not only for casting, but we've transferred that to our board members, as well as looking for new plays now that are not only about diversity in the casting, but are about stories of diverse cultures. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the direction we're going. But this play, this play, The Revolutionists, has been on our radar for over three years. In fact, it was originally cast three years ago. And something happened. <laughs> uh, yeah, gee, I wonder what, what that was. <clears throat> it, um, yeah. And then the world stopped. And then the world stopped. During COVID. And, then, and so did lots of theaters. And so did lots of theaters. So when COVID happened, we sort of pivoted. We have always had this play reading series called Prime Productions, a stage reading series, where we do three plays in three months consecutively uh, at three different venues. And so we spread the wealth around town and hoping to gain a new audience along the way. And maintain the audience oh, that you had as well. Right. Good and, people that were and, dedicated. And yeah. stay relevant. Right. So we took that idea of Prime Voices and we switched it to a YouTube mm -hmm. show called Prime Voices, the interview series. And we interviewed women, international women, women from Europe and Asia and all over, as well as here in, in the United States, who had had challenges mm -hmm. and overcome challenges, whether it was education or uh, poverty or whatever they were doing, grief, uh, whatever they were, uh, whatever their challenges were. And it was a fascinating thing. And, and so we kept going. We kept relevant during the, during the COVID process. And with that, it sounds like you, with that deeper dive in connecting with women all over the world, you came out of COVID with um, perhaps a deeper sense of what your mission is as well, in terms of bringing out the relevance of older women or women in our prime perspectives. Yeah, my, <clears throat> my little tagline has always been, well, our prime productions tagline is celebrating women in, in their second act. I love that. And not only do we do that, but I've always said, you know, if you are smart and strong and sassy, I don't care if you're 55 or 105, you're in your prime. <laughs> yes. And I think, <clears throat> excuse me, if anybody watched the Academy Awards uh -huh. and saw Michelle Yeoh up there, I'm not going to get this quote right, but she said, 
Don't let anybody tell you that you are ever over your prime. And you embrace your prime. Oh, I screamed when I heard her say that uh, because that's the way we all feel. Getting back to the play, why this play and why is it – we know three years in the making is be COVID, but what struck you about this play that you felt, yes, this needs to be done? Well, I personally, I love period history you know, period dramas and stuff like that. And I love comedy. So I know it's hard to think of, hmm, this play is set in the French Revolution. Sort of. During, <laughs> during, the, during the reign of terror. Yes. <laughs> and, and it's a comedy? Uh. Well, it's mostly a comedy. It has pathos to it. Yes. But what I loved about this play is that comedy is contrast. Mm -hmm. And if you take that pathos of the French Revolution and everything that was happening, and you add 20th, 21st Street, oh, 21st Street, 21st century dialogue to yeah. it, that mashup becomes very intriguing and very interesting, more than interesting. It becomes, it whirl, it, it, it's a whirlwind. I, I tell the actors, what we have here is verbal gymnastics. Because <laughs> it's fast paced, you can tell. It is fast. <laughs> it is a wild ride. Uh -huh. And it goes up and down and up and down. And then all of a sudden it takes a left turn and a right turn. And, and uh, so it has all of that going So forward. tell us about the characters in the play. So the characters are Alam de Gouge, who is uh, based on a real person. She was a, she was a real playwright, a female playwright. Uh, who was a contemporary of Moliere's and whose plays were produced at the Comédie Française. I went to France this past summer to do research on this play, and I would ask about Olympe de Gouges, and they would go, oh, Madame de Gouges. <laughs> it was like, oh, she's very famous. There are theaters, not just one, but several theaters named after this woman. So she is the catalyst for the play. And then into her life comes... Um, well, we have a Haitian spy. Who and is, is that Marianne? Yes, that mm -hmm. is Marianne Angel. She is um, sort of a, a combination of, if you've ever seen the, the, um, the, the woman with the flag, the La Marianne, they call her. Uh -huh. sort of Liberté. Yes, Liberté. Yes, yes. exactly. And um, she's a combination of all of the Haitian spies and other women of color who were fighting for liberty at the same time during European and Caribbean colonization. Mm -hmm. So she's there. And then um, in comes Charlotte Corday, <laughs> who's on her way to murder Jean-Paul Morat. <laughs> and uh, lastly... Because he must die. <laughs> yes. Um, and lastly is the lovely uh, Marie Antoinette. In her own little strange world. <laughs> Yes, but, you know, she is sometimes unexpectedly profound. Yes. And um, what I want our listeners to know is that these – what I love about what the playwright does is that these characters are based on real women, real transcripts, and real executions. Mm. Okay? So you've got that, and in the meantime – they form a, a bond and a sisterhood, sometimes not starting out that way. But um, I always say that, you know, we know history, 
And actually, Ms. Gunderson has really done her research, and real history is sprinkled throughout this dialogue, this very witty dialogue. And I find it interesting that it's really a play about making those connections. Yeah, oh, absolutely. You're spot on there. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, it is, and and how she writes those connections and how those connections change mm-hmm. are, are the arc of the play. Taking And as you're saying, one way and then you take a quick left, mm-hmm. um, you have expectations that she leads you up to be thinking. And you have preconceived notions, perhaps, uh, of the revolution. One of my favorite lines is they ask uh, – Marie Antoinette asks if – so you're not a queen. And, and her response was, I'm a revolutionary and a mom. Yeah, and think about today. Yeah. Think about today. I mean – Everything from, uh, is it relevant? Yes, Mm -hmm. it's relevant because these women are fighting for their rights, they're fighting for their souls, and they're fighting for their survival. Yeah. So think about everything that's happened today from from the ERA, we still have to work that, right? And everything from Roe versus Wade, everything, you know, going around in our lives. And a lot of those people who are out there in those marches and who are now governors and senators mm-hmm. and all of that, they are moms. Mm-hmm. Look at Nancy Pelosi. Right. You know, she did all that in those five-inch heels. And how old is she? And, and I think her strength was being in a mom, <laughs> as she was the best speaker of the house we've ever had, in being able to pull people together for something that was important and bigger than ourselves. And I think that's what moms do, is that— Exactly. They are not only domestic engineers, right. but they are leaders. Right. They lead the way. And so does this play. So I'm looking forward to seeing this play. I want to make sure that our audience knows that it starts March uh, 29th of the previews, opens March 31st, and it runs through April 16th, but there'll be no performance on Easter, which is April 9th. And you get the tickets by going to parksquare.org. And if folks want to learn more about Prime Productions, tell us how we get there. You go to primeprods.org, prime, P-R-O-D-S, dot org. And it's easy to remember, Prime Prods. Rhymes with classy broads. (laughs) And in the next two segments, you'll be meeting the actors who will be doing the show, The Revolutionists by Laura Gunderson. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Good morning and welcome back to our Connections radio show where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm Lori Fitz, your host. And our topic today is Prime Productions and their upcoming play, The Revolutionists, by Lauren Gunderson. Uh, in our last segment, we had Shelley Place, who is uh, one of the founders of Prime Productions, uh, telling us about the play and the origins of Prime Production. In this segment, we have two of the actors as well as a... Oh, and I should also mention, Shelley was the director as well as the founder. I don't know if I, I mentioned that in the last segment, but she is the director of this play. Um Allison Edwards is also a founder of Prime Productions. And we have with Allison in this segment, Tia Tanzer. And Tia uh, is, uh, we'll learn a little bit more about her character in just a moment. But I'm going to start with Allison. Allison, I asked our friend Shelly how it got started and why it was important to her to create Prime Productions. And I want to ask you the same reason, the same, what was your reason and what, what was important to you in creating Prime Productions? Well, um, 
I would say as a woman of a certain age. Um, in our prime. In I? my prime. <laughs> um, I, um, I was very lucky. I acted in regional theater all over the country for years. I am in a minority of people who had health insurance through working as an actor for almost 20 years. But then I hit 50-ish, and I went from working two or three times a year to working once every year or two. And it became really obvious. And the roles that I got when I worked were amazing. I got to do Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Mm -hmm. I got to do Wit. I got to do um, Doubt. They're amazing roles, but you're the only woman your age. You're the only person your age, generally, in shows like that. And it begins to get lonely. And um, so anyway, so that's part of why I, I was based in New York for 40 years. And that's part of why I moved to Minnesota. And then to find people with sort of like minds, um, it just became it became something we needed to do to to address this situation that um, older women get portrayed as the butt of a incontinence joke yeah. or um, the senator's wife and not the senator, which we'd like to like say. wallpaper in the back. Yeah. 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 You know, so so that's sort of what we've been trying to address is finding plays that allow mature women to play full, flawed, fabulous characters. That's one of the questions I had for you. Do you think it was based, that the lack of women's roles that you were finding was based on the choice of the plays or that there was not enough plays that were looking at really meaty issues that women could bring to life? Oh, it was absolutely that there were not enough plays because um, I did some research and um, – Women that a place that have a female protagonist were infinitely less likely to get produced. So the plays that were written would not do that because the playwrights wanted to get their work performed. Mm -hmm. And um, and the other thing that happened that I thought was really interesting, and this was from women playwrights, is that they what they would do is they would have a female protagonist, and this is a female of any age, mm -hmm. not just a mature woman. And they would surround her with a bunch of men. So that they... So that then their play would get produced. Mm. And it, so, yes, so that's, you know, our ultimate goal is to be able to afford to commission work. And, but and that's isn't, expensive. And isn't it wonderful that you have a play coming up that have four women in it? Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. And, and how did you decide on this play? I actually was the one who read it uh -huh. and went... Oh, my God. I, I am a huge fan of very theatrical theater. Mm -hmm. I, I, I did Shakespeare for years, and that was one of the things I loved about it was that it's very theatrical. It, it, as Shelley said, it's a wild ride, and it really is. It's, it's uh, smart and funny, and, uh, and so we were very lucky that um, we became interested in it and then Park Square became interested in it, and they approached us about doing this as a co-production, oh, which nice. was really nice. So tell me about your character. Well, I am playing Olympe de Gouge, the playwright, and the thing I love about her is that women over history have always had problems um, being their own, uh, their own artist. I mean, s frequently, there is a theory that um, 
female geniuses were the ones that were declared witches. I believe that. Because men and the rest of society this is scary. didn't are, know yeah, yeah didn't know how to deal with them <laughs> mm-hmm. um so they hid they hid them their light under a barrel women would write under a male name mm-hmm. or under their husband's name and Olympe de Gouges realized that she was married off very young and then her husband died and she became a widow and once she became a widow she had power that she would not have as a wife so she had a long-term lover who she never married. It would have not been her best interest. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so that she she was able to be herself as she wrote plays and began and joined the revolution and really, you know, wrote pamphlets and tracts and the Declaration of the Rights of Women and the Female Citizen. Yeah. Um, and she was able to do it under her own name. And they also believe, goodness knows there's no way to prove this in retrospect, I don't think, but they believe that she was ultimately killed, executed because of her writing, not because she was a woman. Mm. And I think that's just amazing. Yeah. Um, so. With that, we also have another actor joining us in this segment. Um, Tia Tanzer, you yeah. are a fictitious character, as we learned from our friend Shelley, Marianne Angel, correct? Sure. Oh, no. <laughs> Angel. <laughs> Angel, there we go, Angel. Um, and Marianne Angel is sort of the liberté, the, the spirit of revolution. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your character. Well, um, she is kind of an amalgamation of some of the heroines of uh, the Haitian Revolution. So women like Sanité Belair, Marie-Jeanne, Grand Toya, women that we don't, because of the way history is learned and taught and propagated in Western culture, we don't have a ton of great sources on their lives and what they did and what they did after and um, how they lived and died. But um, the playwright's imagination has taken what we can find and created this woman who um, is many things, um, a friend, a wife, a mom, a daughter, but also incredibly dedicated to the cause of freedom, which means absolute abolition of slavery and rights for women as well. Mm-hmm. Social action and making yes, it happen. big time. And the spirit. Mm-hmm. So Tia, tell me a little bit about um, coming to this role. Okay. Uh, we had probably some expectations about what this role was going to be. Um, how has doing this and being in this play, what, what has surprised you as you've developed this character? Um, what, well, I am a mom myself. Uh-huh. <laughs> so what, what has surprised me or what has, what has delighted me mm-hmm. is how Marianne doesn't, really compromise. I'd say if she does make a compromise, it's that she um, abandons what is perfect in favor of what is good. Her friends and the women she meets in this play don't always align with her ideologically, and that impacts their personal relationships. Mm -hmm. But she learns, I think, to meet them where they are and and kind of use what what they have together to to get it done. And in that process of connecting for the greater good... Mm -hmm. Um, what are some of the struggles that your character faces in making those connections? Um, well, her struggles are both personal and political. I think she struggles with um, with some of Olam's hesitation about 
um, what she wants to write and what she wants to create and how she sees herself within this revolutionary time. She's also um, missing her family back home. She is alone in France um, trying to do this thing for the cause, but also feeling a lot of um, loneliness and heartache at the same time. And often as an actor, we have to pull on our own resources and our own um, memories and, and interactions. Mm -hmm. In doing this play, have you, in, in researching this character, mm -hmm. in bringing this character to life, what from your own experience do you bring to um, bring this character to life? Honestly, not that much. I'm, ha I'm happy to say I really can't compare my life and my experiences to what um, Marianne and what her real-life contemporaries were going through. I just tried to approach the work from a place of great empathy and and imagination. Um, Marianne has this vast political imagination of what she wants the world to be, and so I've tried to share and embrace that. Um, it's made me think, oh, what you know, what do I want the world to be, and what. Um, so perhaps it's the opposite like? with this, where this character may be bringing you some new uh, revolutionary ideas. Yeah, she's she's <laughs> to, 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 she's to moving inspire my dial. you absolutely. <laughs> I'm, and oh, I love her wonderful. for it. I'm very grateful. Oh, wonderful! And in the interactions between the two of you, tell me a little bit about how your character um, is uh, inspired by Marianne. Well, I think exactly for some of the things Tia said that she does have a very firm vision of what the world should be. And I think that, because um, a, lamp, a, a lamp as she is presented in this play, which is a fictional, a dream fugue, as the playwright mm -hmm. likes, to, likes to say, is a little less selfless. Mm -hmm. Do I have my all my negatives, my lessons <laughs> correct in there? Um, she's 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 a little self-absorbed, mm -hmm. and so Marianne. But she is a fabulous writer. But she is a fabulous <laughs> writer. But Marianne takes really tr keeps tries to keep her on track, and keep keep her focused on the revolution and what's important, and you know, I I made a joke in an early rehearsal about she's a. Olab is a little like that um, that meme we see of squirrel, <laughs> a little ADD, yeah. and and that's another thing that Marianne really helps her sort of ground mm -hmm. herself and ground mm -hmm. what she wants the world to do, be because she is a very passionate member of this revolution and what she wants for women and France. Well, it is an interesting time to be exploring. Revolutions, mm -hmm. <laughs> where, yes, where indeed, are, where there are quite a few different revolutions perkling up in these times. Um, I know in our next segment we'll we'll meet Marie Antoinette, um, but you both have relations with her as well. Mm -hmm. um, give me a little preview of your relationship with Marie Antoinette. Well. Um, for Marianne, it doesn't start off great. I hope that's not a spoiler. I hope it doesn't keep people from coming to the show. Um, she she really has to um, to be patient and really take a leap and really dig deep to find this woman's humanity and what is what is sympathetic about her and what they mm -hmm. do have in common. Mm -hmm. um, and what they do kind of land on is their their motherhood, even though it looks very different mm -hmm. and shows up different in the world. Like they both love their children, and that's something where they can start to come together about other things. Mm -hmm. So, And your character? Well, interestingly, historically, Olympe de Gouges 
thought that Marie Antoinette could be the savior of the revolution. She believed in a constitutional monarchy. And because she was a woman, she thought that she might be the answer. Mm -hmm. So it's been interesting to sort of find my way through that in terms of once she suddenly arrives, mm -hmm. that, oh, here she is. How can we use her? And um, because it, she is... She is an interesting character as written in this play, but um, and and forced to to marry, you know, because all of her sisters had chickenpox, so it's going to fell upon yeah. uh, smallpox. Sorry, it fell upon her to take right. on that role, right? But which uh, is kind of an odd, you know, we we think of her as being this just spoiled little girl that you know right. had played played in the farm in her pretend farm, right? But but anyway, the. the my character, Olam, sees her as having a purpose mm -hmm. in this revolution mm -hmm. if she can write it right. Mm -hmm. And with that, we'll, we'll leave it to Marie Antoinette in the next segment <laughs> to share a little bit more as well from her, her point of view in the play. I want to make sure folks know how to uh, get tickets. Uh, you can go to uh, parksquare.org for tickets. It opens in previews March 29th. Uh, March 31st is the opening. It runs through April 16th, except there won't be a performance on Easter, which is April 9th. Um, for more information on Prime Productions, you can go to primeprods.org. Uh, and thank you. Thank you both for joining us and telling oh, us about yeah. your character. Tell us about pleasure. And uh, highly encourage. Uh, our show is all about making the connections and then going out and doing something. So what I want the audience to do is go out and get tickets for this play. Our theaters need us. Many, Absolutely. many theaters out there are having challenges. Um, your support uh, for this theater will be supporting theater in our community and growing theater in our community. So stay with us. We'll have two more of the actors of The Revolutionists by Lauren Gunderson share with us in the next segment their characters. So we'll be right back. Welcome back. Connections Radio Show. We're having so much fun today. I'm so glad that you're with us and making the connection. I'm Laurie Fitz, your host, and our topic is the Prime Productions play The Revolutionist by Lauren Gunderson. Um, we've had a chance to talk with the director and founder of Prime Production, the director of The Revolutionist, Shelley Place, in our first segment. In the last segment, we had the co-founder of Prime Productions, um, Allison Edwards, and Tia Tanzer, who shared about her character, which is sort of the spirit of revolution. In this segment, I have Jane Froyland, who is Marie Antoinette. Hello, glad to be here. Uh, we're glad you're here. <laughs> and Jasmine Porter, Charlotte Corday. Yes, thank you for having us. So glad you're here. Prime Productions is a wonderful theater company dedicated to women in their prime mm -hmm. and a commitment uh, to bringing good plays to life. Mm -hmm. This is an excellent play that takes you on an adventure with four women who are revolutionists. Although I'm not sure I could consider Maria Antoinette. <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to revolutionist. Yeah. <laughs> a pause there. Um, not something I would tumble to as a revolutionist. But let's start with with Maria Antoinette. So you want me to defend Maria Antoinette again, man? You know she's been dead for over 200 years, and we're still defending her. No, I'm just she, she is a care. I mean, I have an empathy. Yes, for absolutely. Maria Antoinette. Um, 
I think she was forced into this marriage uh-huh. very young. Um, I think she wanted to connect with people, and she created her own little fantasy world at times. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and and she loved her children. Yes, I know. I love it. Yeah, I, you know what? When I make the arguments for Marie Antoinette, those are the same boxes I tick. Like, yes, she loved her children. She seemed nice, you know. Um, the let them eat cake probably was not a good tip off to her character. And thank you for that segue because, mm-hmm. well, uh, she never said that is mm-hmm. the short answer. But uh, again, over 250 some years later, we are still associating her with that quote. So mm-hmm. my argument is, is Marie Antoinette a revolutionist and not necessarily but I think she is the best symbol that we have for kind of the raw deal that uh, women get in the media. Mm-hmm. Um, so before the days of social media, even now in social media, you know, Marie Antoinette is still, um, we associate her with, um, privilege. you know, privilege, exactly. And she certainly and, was And sort that. of oblis- you know, oblivious to yes. the, Ob- anything else but Privilege. Exactly. And there's definitely parallels to um, uh, that now in, in wealth and celebrity. Mm-hmm. So I, perhaps that is why she is still relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I think – I don't think uh, you're wrong in saying like she's not a conventional revolutionist. <laughs> but I think it is fa- – it's most fascinating to me that we are still fascinated with Marie Antoinette, um, especially considering we don't really know her. We know her legend. Mm-hmm. It's the same mm-hmm. uh, same way that we know the legends of many well-known people, even though we really didn't know them. Like she was like the OG celebrity, <laughs> if you will. Well, I think there's a fascination, mm-hmm. you know, for yeah. the rich and famous. Absolutely. And here she was the queen. Mm-hmm. So add that to, you know, power right. with, with rich and famous. And, and we're fascinated by both mm-hmm. of those things. Too. And yet we want to tear them down. Yes. At the same time, as much as we want, because... It's there's there's an inherent um, uh, imbalance mm-hmm. that that folks, even though we're fascinated at one point, um, it's a dangerous place to be. Yeah, exactly. And I think there is um, somebody said, like, I think we're fascinated by the rich and powerful because there's some aspirational aspect to it. Um, but you don't see many of them fall. And perhaps that's part of what is fascinating about her is we saw we saw um, Marie and Louis fall, yeah. and they literally lost their heads um, in a very violent, awful way. Um, and we know from the get-go seeing the play that that's what's going to happen to Marie. So yes. That Spoilers. Must, that, Sorry. <laughs> it, it, it sets the stage in an interesting way because we all know how that ends. Yep, exactly. But we don't know the journey, and I right. think the journey's interesting. Uh, and I love that you're also quoting the famous uh, Marie Antoinette book, Antonia Fraser's book, <laughs> The Journey. You are the master of segues. Thank you. I love that. You're like lobbing all of these gifts at me. Thank you. You're like a great improv partner. Yes, and. Yes, and. Exactly. Yes. And the yes, and that I will go to now um, is with our friend Jasmine Porter. Yes. Jasmine, you play Charlotte Corday. I do. Tell me about her. Um, so Charlotte Corday is the youngest in the cast. Um, she is 24. Uh, I think she turns 25 right before she ends up killing, again, spoiler, John Paul Marat. Um, and she is from, And she's determined from the get-go that this guy's got to go. So, yes. Um, she is from the countryside. 
uh, didn't wasn't raised with a ton of money, kind of bounced around to different family members uh, and has seen a lot of violence in her life. And so she is really like certain that Jean Palmerat is the reason that um, her friends, families and community are dying. And so she she decides to solve the problem herself and uh, kill Jean Palmerat in his bathtub. In her quest, she takes some left turns, though, too, along the way. Yes. T- <laughs> tell us about her um, exploration of what she needs to do. How do you mean? As she is planning to kill, mm-hmm. she needs to share this with the others, correct? Yes. Yep. There, there's some interesting interactions about how this gets shared. Tell me how you persuade that this is the way to go and what you need to do. <laughs> Well, I will say that so she is looking to solidify her space, her place in history. Mm-hmm. And that kind of leads her to um, Olympe de Gouges and then Marianne and Marie Antoinette. Um, and in this kind of space with these strong women, she finds camaraderie and friendship, um, love and, and support in a way that I don't think that she had ever experienced in her life. And that's the left turn. Um, It doesn't deter her, though, because she still ends up killing uh, Marat. Um, But it's uh, she finds some some support. And and I like to kind of think of it in a really fascinating way in that all of these women are ultimately fighting for justice and for freedom in different ways. And they go about it in such different ways that it's um, a really just a really interesting like character study. And really, like we can all move towards the same end but we do it so differently mm. and when you first read the play you probably had an idea of who she was mm-hmm. as you've been working on her character have you made some discoveries about that you did not recognize when you first looked at the play yeah um I mean so I had heard and knew about Charlotte Corday from like high school history um, knew kind of who she was and that she killed a famous journalist in his bathtub and has a place in kind of revolution, French Revolution history. Um, but like learning more about her life and kind of about the ways in which she cared so deeply and had such a strong sense of empathy that that drove her to insanity in some sort, mm-hmm. in some ways. Right. Um, to the point where she really does decide to to kill somebody and and she has a moment in the in the play where she starts to kind of question like whether or not she made the right decision and I think it's just such a really grounding and humanizing um space for her to kind of live in right before we see her uh, also die by the guillotine and um yeah and so I mean I've just I've, I've been able to build out her humanness I think in my discovery and research of her. I feel like she personifies Gen Z in this play. <laughs> oh, that's which right. I, which I love because I, yeah. I love what Gen Z is doing for, you know, trying to get movements going. Um, and so uh, what Jasmine does is that, like, you play um, Charlotte with this, like, youthful, impulsive energy of, like, no, we're doing this now, you know. And, and, the- and, and that's a great example because you look at the Gen Z and how they're fighting about gun mm-hmm, issues. Exactly. And yeah. their uh, passion and their imp- 
and and bless them not willing to accept the slow wheels of yeah. justice. Yes, it's, exactly. Um, I feel like it's very much so the beginnings of cancel culture. Mm-hmm. Like Charlotte Corday canceled John Paul Morant very quickly <laughs> and very yeah. easily. Sort of completely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's a cancel. Yeah, all that's right. a cancel. <laughs> and how about you? What, what would you say is Marie Antoinette? We've talked about her being, you know, sort of the social elite and whatnot. But yeah. something more as well as you've... Uh, um, you know, if she's a symbol in this show or like her role in this show, like I think uh, it is um, our fast. We've talked about sort of our fascination with the wealthy and powerful, but I also think there is um, a way that women are often um, portrayed portrayed and perceived without ever really knowing anything about them. Mm-hmm. Um, now, does, you know, it was Maria Saint, was she like completely misunderstood? You know, that's a, that's up for debate. But she was never as bad as what they were painting her as. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. back in the day, they, you know, um, and this is before social media, she would have been eviscerated on social mm-hmm. media. Um, but there were like pamphlets and papers, you know, accusing her of all sorts of things. At her trial, she was accused of incest with her son, mm. which, um, and, you know, the one thing that we all say about Marie Antoinette is, like, she loved being a mother. She was a great mother. And so, of course, they came up with the cruelest thing they could possibly think to say to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a lot of parallels there of, and I find this in particularly with how our culture in the media treats women. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we will dismiss them. We will brush them off. We will say knowingly untrue things to try and take away their power. I think there also is a downplaying of the complexities of conflict between Absolutely. women. And that the the conflicts are uh, superficial and silly. Yes. And, yes. and these characters have true conflict, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it portrays the real challenge of how do you make connection. And I think that's what women ultimately want to do yeah. is connect the dots yeah. and make sense of it. We're not and doing real housewives drama. No. Like these are actually no. No, these are issues. legitimate and conflicts and legitimate issues. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And how, how that can be celebrated mm-hmm. um, in this play is is revolutionary as well. <laughs> Look at you. Always with the bringing it back. I love it. Yeah. it. It's a play that I'm looking forward to see. Um, yeah. Four Strong Women. The mm-hmm. play is carried by women. Uh, it's at Park Square. I want to make sure that the audience knows how to get there and what the time is all that. I, I said it at the top, but I want to say it again. Um, the play previews March 29th. Uh, it opens March 31st. It runs through April 16th, uh, but there is no performance on Easter, which is April 9th. To get tickets, uh, you can go to parksquare.org. To learn more about Prime Productions, um, that is the uh, partner uh, to Park Square, you can go to primeprods.org. We've got just about a minute left. Is there something that you want to leave the audience with to think about in coming to this play? I'm going to give you a, a chance, and I'm going to give um, our, our friend, uh, I'm sorry I've lost your name here, Jasmine, Jasmine Porter, go. a chance as well. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, I think it's really, uh, this is a really good show. It's being produced all over the country. It's both funny and poignant and interesting, and you definitely want to go see it. I'd see this play. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I will. Whatever I do. Jasmine. Um, I think 
I just think that it's a really fun play. And so it's something that if you want lightheartedness while like also being reminded of the importance of fighting towards whatever you fight for in your personal life. But um, it's just a fun fun play and experience so you'll have a good time it's a comedy you'll laugh it's a history you won't lose your head (laughs) but some people will i will i will there there will i there will be having some heads roll so do come see the play we'll look forward to seeing you there and thank you for joining us today on connections radio show uh where we talk about ideas that matter um women that matter women in their prime and shows that will be coming up the revolutionists join us there